Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week, we discuss how good the air is at the top of the table. We catch up with Mariners midfielder Daniel Bauman, and we go deep into our clash with Sydney FC. And of course, we answer your questions. I'm Pete, and I'm joined by Luke, Josh, and Morrow. Lads, lads, lads. Howdy, winners. The awesome foursome is back. 2-0. Uh, I've just got one thing to say. Winning pod, baby! <laughs> Imagine not being first, though. Like, what? <laughs> I know this is more work for you, Pete, but you need to put in like that Charlie Sheen winning in the... Right, right there. Just <laughs> <Yes>. Winning. <laughs> the air at the top of the table. How good is it to be first? Though? Very, oh, very fresh. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. On first after four games, three and one. Mm-hmm. Like, no, no complaints here. And yeah, we'll obviously get into it. But that result on Friday, how good? Oh, what a way to Sydney do it. away goes really good. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute, but uh, we got it done. Let's uh, dive straight into Fred's question now. Fred this week asks. We have been sticking to the same formation in our games. Do we need to think about altering things, or is it an ain't-broke sort of scenario? I think he answered his own question there. I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Surely. I agree. I mean, please, don't change anything. <laughs> I think I think the best, the best thing Stadge has probably done so far compared to the last season was that we did play around with the formation a bit, um, whereas this season we've stuck to the formation, but we've moves around the personnel and i think that's it's we've we 100 percent have our formation down pat he's managed the personnel really well um in you know in in terms of who to play our top with maddie um you know who to start instead of you know either casella on the bench starting it's all the same formation but it's just the personnel that have all been moved around and managed because of the draw and i think working perfectly don't touch it yeah, still a lot of work to do there, isn't there? Because uh, we really want to see how these foreigners go. Mm. But at the same time as that, we do not need that at the moment. Well, there's absolutely no need to sort of rush them into the piece either, no. is, is there? If they're not 100% fit and ready to go, um, as, as, as Fred's already said, if it ain't broke, no need to try and fix it. Um, I think our defensive shape's been sensational. And um, I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're not chopping and changing every week as we seemingly were for parts of last season when things weren't working. Yeah, like if, if you had have asked me towards the end of last season what our ideal formation was, I had no clue. No idea. Mm. But now it's 100% 4-4-2 with the personnel that we have. <laughs> How good are those two blocks of four? Two banks of four, hook it to my veins. When, it, we've got- when it works well, it's incredible. And that's, that's exactly what we did under Arnie. When he yep. came here, he set us up from the back two banks of four it was beautiful we've conceded one goal in four games it's working perfectly and we've got so much sort of option there to extend on that so that when you know we don't feel like things are still going in our direction we've got all of that change available to us and you know you have to think that those guys who are not on the team sheet at the moment um, they're going to be highly motivated to take their chance when they get it because they might only get one because at the moment you know there's a lot of competition there so yeah it's all good isn't it it's, it's it's great for the future my my only criticism of it is if i have to try and find one is creatively uh is it the best are we playing the best midfield formation creatively going forward to suit us because it's a very flat 
four. It's almost sort of a little bit sacrificing for the defensive aspect of yeah, the formation. Because I, I feel like we have Niz out wide, mm-hmm. and you know we have De Silva on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, Stens and Bazanic in the middle who aren't really creative players. Maybe Bazanic to a certain degree. They're both very deep. I mean, yeah. they're both playing as as. Well, not even box to box. I mean, Stens is is your sort of archetypal six, really, isn't he? Yeah. Um, getting in and doing the dirty work, and and Boz is, I guess, more of a deep lying sort of playmaker there. Sorry for the um, football manager uh, comparison, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I 100% think we have sacrificed it, but I also 100% think it's worth it because it's working. Build from the back. Yep. Championship yeah. winning sides have uh, championship winning defences. And it pleases the fans. Like, we're workmanlike. We're working hard. It looks like we're mm. working hard. We're not giving up on anything. And, you know, what's the first thing that we wanted to do was to stop the flow, stem the flow of goals that, you know, we've had against us so many times over so many years now that we've forgotten how many years and don't want to remember. Now we've we've sort of created this aura of solidity there that we can sort of massage the front end a little bit as we bring in those quality um you know, uh, foreigners when the right time comes. We're, and we're going to have that sort of balance there. Maybe there's going to come that time when uh, Matty Simon will be back at that, uh, come, and, come on and play a role player. Mm. And that will be a side in itself, if you know what I mean. If we've got quality to start and then we bring on solid and hard, then, uh, you know, that's been used a lot over the years. That's what she said. That's what she said. <laughs> I think, uh, and I think also playing four four two, defending from the front which we've mm. seen a lot of with Matty Simon and either whoever's up there with him Bowman or Kowal I think defending from the front with the two up top is a lot easier than what we saw last season with just having Matty up there run around like headless jook mm. I think um, having having the defensive part of our game start from up there is not allowing the other teams to get into as dangerous as positions and not really getting the field advantage. I think it's been great to see how disruptive we've been. Like Kowal's chasing everything. That's a good word Maddie's, for it, yeah. Maddie's sort of... Disruptive is the perfect word Yeah, Maddie, Maddie's chasing a lot of stuff. Like, And it's just been really good to see. Like, We haven't given the opposition like any time on the ball and we haven't given them like any free possession. So I think that's been great to see from the, cl- from the club. And it also shows what we've been saying before of how fit the team is, which we talk about with, with Daniel Bowman in the interview. But... It's been great to see, you know, we haven't let up for 90 minutes for, I think, most of the game. So that's been really good to see. There's also no space sort of in between the lines for the opposition to play, going back to um, what I think you were just saying, Luke, about how we're not giving them any sort of opportunity to create chances. Those two banks of four are so compact mm. that there's no room um, in between them for, for players like a Ninkovic, um, for example, who loves to drift in and out between the lines. Um, to have any sort of real meaningful threat. And we saw that um, on Friday that he was really sort of nullified. Uh, well, his threat was really sort of nullified by those. And let's dive into that game now while we're talking about it. Of course, uh, Sydney away, boys. We love it. First, love, first, away, Sydney away. first away Sydney away win in seven years. Seven years, exactly right. Of course, it finished 2-0. The uh, first one was a Ben Warland own goal. It was so close um, to the Mariners' all-time leading goal scorer and six-time golden boot winner Matthew <laughs> Simon uh, being able to extend his lead atop those goal-scoring charts for the club there. But uh, it was a great run-in um, from Dan Bauman and what a ball he put across the face there. There was Fantastic nothing Warland cross. could do there. Yeah. 
um, aside from put that through his own net. It's for Wallen, like looking at it from his perspective, he had to get a touch on it in front of Matty because he knew if he didn't get anywhere near it, then Matty probably would have tucked that away. So it was a perfect ball in, and we got the we got a really really good lead after the VAR disallowed a Sydney goal only what about a minute before. I and I thought they were going to give that. Yeah, I was worried. At the ground, I, <laughs> yeah. was, I was a bit nervy. Yeah, at the ground, I thought that, a little bit, looking on the screen. But when I uh, watched it at home, then, I'm sorry, I w- it wasn't as clear to me as some of the uh, seemingly biased I commentators. It was, I think it was a very 50-50 call that we yeah. got in our favour. Yeah, and, and it was a matter of whether or not the thing that they were calling on the coverage was actually the foot or a part of the other player. It wasn't absolutely clear to me which it was in those shots. And I, I actually wonder whether or not that a part of what's going on with um, VAR here is the lack of Fox quality and cameras at the grounds yep. is changing the game on how these things work. So I, I bet you they don't know whether he was offside or not. I think it was Barbarossa's shoulder that was. They were talking about the sleeve of his shirt sleeve, on the coverage. Yeah. Right, and then good, good to wear long sleeve shirts. No, when <laughs> you have like two cameras and a bloody handy cam to. Well. <laughs> this is how I broadcast your national league doesn't help. Yeah, and they're just doing it on the cheap in the Premier League. They're measuring the thickness of the leather on Mo Salah's boots, and <laughs> at, the same, at the same time as that, we can't even tell whether or not a sleeve is or isn't um, in front or isn't. You know, it's just I think it's that's what it is. To be honest, I, I don't know what other explanation there is for it. They've, they've gone real quiet about how fantastic the VAR is since they had no cameras to actually do it with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think even though it was a known goal, we made our own luck with that definitely and it was 100% deserved yep um, you know Sydney had a few good chances the first that half especially just, yeah I mean Costa Barbarisis and I hate to pump myself up but I'm 100% about to do it <laughs> last week I, I did mention that Barbarisis Luke Bratton uh, I don't I don't see the hype and they were not good oh, and they, they, is woeful in particular I mean, he, he was horrible he 100% should have buried that chance for someone that's rumoured to be on like 800k or whatever it is, mm. that's 100% what he's there for, to score those easy chances. And he, they, were, they were both not good, mm. not good. And, it, and I, I, think, I think it mostly comes down to how we, how we played. Stenz and Bazanic just Immense. completely took Luke Bratton and Nikovic out of the game. Yep. And Barbarossa's, I mean, Tongik, I can't even speak highly enough of him at the moment. He was an absolute machine. He had to empty his pockets when he got home, apparently, because Barbarossa's was still <laughs> hiding in there. So, <laughs> I was, I I'd almost say like the entire Sydney front line that played it, but Harger as well, he was in the pocket. I didn't even know he was out there for most of the game. Same with, same with Barbarossa's. In the second half, when he came off, I think we all looked at each other and went, oh, he was out there still, was he? Because <laughs> yeah. he just did nothing. And, you know... There was, you know, a good sort of save or two from Birigidi. We were, you know, I don't think we were lucky, but they didn't take their chances. Mm-hmm. We we did made the most of ours, and we absolutely played out of our skin. And I mean, just on Tongik again, like we spoke to him last week. Great guy, has played the first three games really well, and I keep on saying it each week. But the game on Sydney was probably his best game. He was just. A monster. Well, of course, he was voted as the fans player of the match with over 50% of the count, I think, uh, last I heard. Um, pretty impressive stats, 93% passing accuracy and finished 100% um, in his duels as well, winning five out of five there. I'll say right now, he's the best centre-back in the league right now. 
100%. Yeah, in Who form, else is better? In form, unlucky not to get a goal in the game. Had a header in the first half mm. that could have gone um, in the net. But that's, um, that's, I mean, that's probably also another part of his game that we haven't really spoken about is that he is a threat at the corners because obviously Nisbet's not going to be in the not going to be in the box and that's what your big sort of centre halves are there for for when we have the chance he he's a good threat on corners and if you can pull a goal or two out then even better we have to mention that he was key in the second goal he was the one that won the tackle in midfield stepping up out of the line and then he released the ball and that's how we uh, got that second goal which Mm. I think we should definitely talk about that second goal call really nicely taken by him but I think, Luke, Luke, this is where you take over. The Sydney defence did not handle that at all very well. And we benefited greatly from it. Every Sydney player that was in that video should be embarrassed. <laughs> Keystone. Keystone stuff. What, what the hell was that? Even from Wilco, like that was that was average. Not great. It was just Very sort of average. pinballing around off uh, off Jordan Smiley, yeah. who, who of course broke into the box after the ball was released. Yeah. Um, fell very kindly for Allo, of course. It was a four v two, and the two came out on top. And it just, I think for Smiley, I think we need to give a bit of an assist to Smiley. He just wanted it more. Yeah, yeah and and that's how we look. Like we we uh, there's more than one way to win a football match. You can do it with the best quality players. You can do it with the hardest work. And we're making other yep. teams do it by hard work, and they're mm. not working hard enough to beat us at the moment and in that moment I thought that uh, that it was yeah it was a good uh, finish for Kowal there was a deflection there but it's still he's got to get that and make that happen but to me we were going to force it in there somehow Mm. just before this to me Smiley's fouled someone handballs it um, and then Kowal puts it away Mm -hmm. so I I think we could have had two pens and we got the advantage (laughs) and Kowal put it away maybe a little bit biased but yeah yeah, you've just spoken about hard work there as well. Someone who has been working incredibly hard is Gianni Stansness. Um, gee whiz, what a player he has been so far this season. He's bulked up in the off season, hasn't he? For sure. What? And I think yeah, there was a point in the game. A lot. There was a point in the game where Brenton Speed actually goes, "What a beast Gianni Stansness is," or, or words to that effect. He's on the Lewis Miller diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you have to think that he is. You know, he's, he's really growing in stature mm. um, in general and there's going to be a real, um, uh, you know, force for the rest of the season. If he can stay fit and keep that momentum that he's got, then, uh, yeah, we're, we're, he's arguably the form um, midfielder. central midfielder yeah. in the comp. Well, just on that, I've just had a message come through. Uh, we have three players in Team of the Week this week. Would oh, you believe it? Oh, my God. Absolute shock. <laughs> um, I would be happy for you guys to, to have a crack at the three players that are in there before I um, Tongi, before I mention surely. Them. That's one. Stens. That's two. <laughs> I, said you, I said you guys, but um, no, not Boz. Well, maybe the expectation's a bit higher because, you know, the, the stature of the guy and the Alou? experience. Not Alu. Alu. A, no? No. So, in fact, it was, uh, of course, Gianni Stensness, Ruan Tongyik, and Mark Birigidi. Oh, okay. oh, fair of enough. <laughs> yep. Fair enough. We have not been snubbed anymore. Clean sheets, no. baby. We're not used to them. Oh, I just wanted to add quickly. Like you look at those teams on paper, Sydney's team compared to ours, they win on paper a hundred times out of a hundred. But what Aaron just said, we outworked them tenfold, and that's how we won the game through hard work, determination. We wanted 
we wanted the balls. We wanted to get every second ball. So that was that was awesome to see. That's, yeah, that's almost, really something that the fans love to see. Almost importantly, if they want to get something out of the game, they've got to work harder than us. And, and I'm looking at the other teams we're playing against and they're just not doing it or they're not no. capable of doing it. And, and quality players aren't necessarily the hardest workers. I'll just leave that there. No. And that, I think, you know, and that's, that's, playing I was actually, out a bit. I was, I was actually going to bring that up just before when we were speaking about our formation, Stadge has a pretty big sort of a headache now with the three foreigners because will they work as hard as your Matty Simon, as your Kual, as our midfielders at the moment? Will he, will he sacrifice the defensive aspect for a bit more of an attacking aspect, maybe? It's a good dilemma to have. You have to think this is on their minds. They're sitting on the sideline like us. Mm. They're seeing how we're winning these games. They're experienced footballers, especially at least one of them. They know if what's If I'm your winners. runner, I'm sitting there going, I'm going to have to run 50 exactly. bloody kilometres a game to get exactly. in this goddamn team. Yep. Mm. And I'm going to have to use my strength and every bit of experience I've got. That's, mm. you know, and that's a great thing for us to have that. Yeah, and I think, I think on the Stens thing too, I think last season it probably felt like sometimes he was probably doing the role that him and Bazanic are doing right now whereas obviously Bazanic has taken a lot of the responsibility yeah. off him and vice versa I think he's probably doing a lot of the work so Boz you know doesn't need to do certain sort of dirty things but sometimes you see the vice versa where one's doing one sort of doing all the dirty work one's not um, I think that partnership in the midfield it's it can't be broken at the moment it's going to be huge for us this is this season mm. for sure if those two stay fit um, and and Kai rolls and, and obviously Ruan stay fit as well that is such a strong spine to have and yeah. um, su- such a hard-working spine to have as well so again I'm biased but has anyone been better in the center of midfield than Boz and Stensner so far this season I don't think so I think they've probably been the two best center mids in the league I can't, I can't think of anyone like well, they're not on top of the table, whoever no. they are. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> Another thing that you can file firmly under things that you love to see, of course, is uh, the Mariners Academy captain, Dan Hall, who made his A-League debut uh, coming off the bench towards the tail end um, of the game on Friday night. Um, and actually got involved a little bit too. He made a great tackle, I remember. I nearly lost my shit when he got the ball <laughs> off Nikovic. That was probably the best moment of that. I, like, look, to be honest, I think that, that probably summed up the game, really, for me. Nikovic, arguably the best player in the A-League last three or four seasons, maybe. Um, Daniel Hall comes on 20, 20, 19, 20? Uh, yeah, 21. So. 21, yeah. yeah. Makes his debut straight from the... Straight from the academy, straight from MPL two. Nikovic gets the ball. They're two 0 down. Need to do mm-hmm. something. Just pretty much stands there with it. We're two 0 up. We could be cruising. Dan Hall just goes poke straight between his legs and gets the ball off him. Yoink! <laughs> that to me summed up the entire game. And it's just it's all the cliches. It's hunger and passion and desire. Desire. But that's what won us the game because they just had none of it. And. If you want a good read, go read City FC's Facebook page on the full-time post. I think a good way to sum it up is that Sydney sort of expected stuff to happen, whereas we made things happen. And how motivating is all that on the other side of the fence? On the other side of the fence, we're jumping over ourselves now. And, uh, you know, it must be for the sort of less hardened on fans or rusted on fans. They must be thinking it's time to get out there and have a look at what's going on because things are turning around. The scenes on the hill when Alou scored, oof. (laughs) <laughs> those those were good times. Those were the good times. And I think I think it, it makes it makes the Wanderers game, you know, like it's in the past, or whatever. You, you know, so it doesn't really matter now. But it makes that a bit more frustrating in a way because 
we saw how much the subs made an impact on the weekend mm. and it's like damn it why couldn't we do that against the Wanderers but we do it against Sydney and it shows you know Wanderers game just a one game that you know it just wasn't our night but these guys can do that against arguably the best team in the league the last three or four years that's it's we're gonna be all right we're gonna be okay the kids are all right the kids are all right <laughs> With us here today, we have Dan Bauman, of course, uh, recent acquisition for the club. Dan, thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Let's um, let's get into it. First things first, your uh, your sauce, tomato and barbecue, do you keep those in the fridge or in the cupboard? Um, we keep them in the fridge. I like, I like it yep. cool um, when I add it or when I use it. Tick. Doesn't it make your sausages cold? <laughs> oh no! Yeah, maybe a little bit, but the sausages are really warm. At, like when you get them, so I like that little bit of contrast and a little bit of difference when I'm when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm eating, for example, sausages yep. or whatever. It's a polarizing question, that's for sure. But um, look, uh, while I might not necessarily agree with you on that one, let's see if you can redeem yourself here. Uh, who's better, Lionel Messi or Matt Simon? <laughs> Oh, it's got to be Matt Simon. I think we're going to have time laughing Exactly yeah, so, right. So, um, no, nah, nah, let's not take it away from um, from Messi as well. But, uh, you know, at the moment, um, the way uh, Simo's been playing and leading us, it's all round. I, I reckon I'd love to give it to Matt Simon. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's um, spot on, 100%. Uh, big tick here. Mate, yeah. um, you've, you've returned to Australia once again after a number of years over in the Netherlands, um, namely with uh, Groningen and uh, SC Cambuur. Um, tell us a bit more about yeah. your time coming through the youth setups over in uh, uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah, so um, it was about six years ago that I that I went over and I joined um, FC Groningen, as we say it over there. Um, a lot of the Aussies like to say Groningen because I can't make that fair sound <laughs> um, and uh, yeah my my time over there was uh, was really good um, you know um, I learned so much the the first year when I went over and I made the step from uh, Blacktown City to uh, to the youth academy over there I went from like two to three times a week training um, to pretty much training every day and even having double sessions and um, I could really tell I could tell straight away that um, that a lot of those boys had been in a youth, uh, like a professional youth setup for a number of years because just, you know, the first touch was a bit sharper and the passes, you know, were a bit firmer. And just the mentality, even at training, just to win one-on-one uh, duels or contests or just to, you know, win the 5v5s or the games that we're playing um, was just a whole different mentality. So that was something I really had to, you know, uh, try switch for myself. Um, and it took me took me one or two years. and But uh, eventually, yeah, I was at for I think five years or something and just went through the went through the youth setup up to the reserve team and um, you know played with a lot of good players and uh, had practice matches with the with the first team and they're obviously in the top flight over there quality um, quality players um, but all around yeah my experience over there was obviously was really good and learned so much there's of course a uh, another Mariners a bit of a cult hero who spent a uh 
a number of years at Groningen, uh, I think it was. <laughs> Did I get that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to have to work on that. Uh, of course, Tom Hidalgo, um spent a number of years there. Um, did you uh, ever cross paths with Tom? Yeah. No, unfortunately, not really. He was, um, he, uh, but I, I know a lot about him. He, he came, I believe he also came up through the youth setup. And um, one of the funny things is that the school I went over, uh, school I went to over there was a top sport uh, talent school. And we had, you know, we had different uh, sporters, uh, different, uh, what is it, students from different sports. And, um, uh, and there they had like big posters and they had one of the, they had like the world champions. Um, Dutch swimmer went to the school, um, but also Tom uh, Hira. He, oh, I can't even say his name. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, on the big posters uh, as well there, so it was really cool to you know look up to him and realise that um, that these these players that are playing in the first team at the time um, also went to that school. Um, and I obviously I, I saw him around, you know, like uh, the buildings and. Uh, and whatnot, but um, unfortunately, I never really trained or played with him, and not didn't really get to cross paths. So, what what were some of the key reasons that brought you back to Australia? I mean, I imagine you would have learned quite a lot over there after playing for youth here, and then obviously experiencing that sort of a setup. Um, what sort of brought you back here, and how did the move to the Miranda sort of come about? Um, so. You know, uh, when I went to Kombu and I went to their first team, unfortunately I couldn't quite break through and, and get minutes. Um, um, I was playing a lot of the, the matches in the reserve team, just, you know, get minutes, keep fit. But I was coming to, a, I'm 22, and I was coming to an age where, um, you know, playing first team minutes is really important and, and playing a lot of them. And um, that was one of the reasons, definitely, for um, thinking about the move back to, back to Australia. Um, the other thing that sort of, you know, uh, put a lot of doubt into my mind uh, initially about where I would go was obviously COVID and that obviously affected a, a lot of players. It's still affecting players and clubs. Um, and I'd come back uh, to Australia during COVID because my family was living uh, here and I was um, still I was still in the Netherlands. Um, and then I was able to, uh, luckily enough, uh, get in contact with um, with the Stadge and, and the Mariners and... Um, come and, uh, and train a bit during the end of their of last season and um, from there things just uh, eventuated and um, Stad said he wanted me and um, yeah and now I'm here. So have you noticed any sort of like key differences or similarities between the A-League and the, and the football that you were playing over in the Netherlands? Um, yeah definitely there's, there's similarities but there's also um, there's also some differences um, I think I think technically um you know, with first touches and, and all those sort of things, I think the, the Netherlands is probably a bit higher, but um, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Although um, Australia has been is, has quite surprised me. It's very competitive. Um, I think just you know that grinding, that work rate, that sort of football um, here like uh, is, is is a step up um, with with all the running and stuff. Um, so that's I think one of the the differences. But um. Yeah, but coming back and, and, and playing and, and training with Mariners, it's, it's definitely a very high quality of football, and it's uh, and I'm, I'm learning so much every day at training, and uh, and I'm starting to play um, matches as well. I'm learning as well in that, and uh, so yeah, it's been good. So we've been able to watch uh, uh, during your time with Oli Ruse and with the short time you've been at the Mariners and so far we've seen you utilised in a, a couple of different, few different ways, drifting wide, playing up top as a second striker uh, in the middle of the park. 
Which role is it that you yeah. prefer? Where do you feel most comfortable? Um, I'd have to say I'm most comfortable in 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 a sort of ten, uh, maybe even like an eight box to box midfield type of position. That's where I've played most of my, you know, youth setup. That's where I've played pretty much every season in the Netherlands. Um, but in saying that, when I was younger, I did play um, a bit of uh, of nine or as a second striker. I was obviously do that with the Oli Roos. So, um, um, and I did that against uh, Sydney recently and when I came on against uh, MacArthur. Um, so I, I really don't mind where I get foot because in the end it's where the coach um, uh, wants me. And um, for every position I'll obviously give my all. Um, so, yeah. Mate, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty positive start uh, to life for you here on the coast. Uh, four appearances, two assists so far. Um, have you set yourself any goals, sort of personally or with your coaching staff for this season? Yeah, I have. Um, I haven't really quite put a number on, for example, how many goals or assists I want. I just want to be able to help the team as much as I can, and um, and sort of prove myself as a. Um, as, a, as a, a goal scorer in a team, so whether that's a goal scoring midfielder or you know a goal scoring second striker or or whatever, so um, that's definitely something I want to do. Um, at the beginning of the season, we we also spoke a lot with the, the coaches about what you know attributes we want to um, develop, um, and there were a couple that I've spoken a bit with the physical trainer about. So I want to. You know, get more explosive over the the first, uh, you know, for example, ten meters. Um, so that's not straight away a, a goal that you guys would or the fans would think about. Um, but that's definitely, you know, as a player, you sort of think about all different aspects of your game. And that's, for example, something I'd like to develop and work on. So it was obviously a sensational result uh, against Sydney on Friday night, and a great performance from the whole team. Um, how good was that result in the change rooms after? And what sort of What's sort of the vibe at the moment now that we're sort of uh, three and one and sitting pretty? Yeah, yeah, that was an um, an amazing result. Um, look, uh, we all know that Sydney FC have been the best team the last uh, whatever amount of years, five years um, in the A League, and um, we we knew that um, yeah we had had a good start to the to the season, but this was uh this was our biggest test yet, um, and to be able to uh, you know. Get the two 0 win was obviously great, and just showed how how far we've come as a team, and how much we've developed, and how much work we've really put into that preseason um, together as a as a whole. And obviously, um, you know, in the change room afterwards, uh, um, you know, we're all really happy. Um, it was also Sumo's birthday, obviously, so I believe this, uh, some of the Gatorade bottles were flying around over him. Um, so you know, we were really happy, but. Um, but at the same time, we we can't get too ahead of ourselves. Look, it's it's uh, it's been four games, three wins, one loss. Um, we all know football; everything can turn around really quickly. But, but uh, the vibe at the moment is really good, and we're very positive, and uh, we believe that we can uh, continue this uh, this run of form, and uh, hopefully we'll bring that to the table when we play uh, Wellington in a couple of days. So, with yourself, and I guess with. Uh with a Luca Wallace, well, we've we've seen this sort of um, substitution tactic, I guess you'd like to call it, where um, you know you came off the bench against MacArthur, it obviously made a huge impact. Uh, you started against the Wanderers, you started again on the weekend. Are these things planned pre-game, or is, has it you know has it sort of always been in the works? That's how sort of we would operate. We would give you forty-five, and then sort of give a Lou forty-five, or is it sort of how you boys are sort of feeling, um, sort of from game to game with the way that the draw is? Can you give us a bit of insight into that? In 
So it's been, um, I think it's been a, a little bit of how the game's going, or what, obviously what Stadge what Stadge is feeling. Um, I unfortunately came into the first uh, couple of matches, but just before the season started, I had a, I picked up a little injury, and um, so that's why uh, Stadge was sort of bringing me slowly, giving me more minutes. Um, so that was definitely a factor. Um, but in the end, um, it's, it's sort of how the game's going. Um, and Alo was doing really well at the beginning, so he was obviously starting the matches, and then I came on and put in a couple of good performances, and then we had the we obviously had the quick turnaround um, in the last two games. So um, Stad was thinking, uh, I think he was thinking, fresh legs, um, give me a start. So yeah, I think that's just sort of how it went. And is this is this a, a really motivating? Uh, if Stadge is sort of you know planning these things out, then he's man managing you guys, so you know what to expect, and and uh, you know what the plan is if you're playing in different positions, different parts of the game. Um, how's how's Stadge's uh, sort of contribution? Um, you know, helping with the competitive part about uh, the, the within the squad and uh, keeping you guys really motivated to want to do your part. Um. Yeah, Stadge has been great. Um, all the training staff have been um, great since, uh, since day one of pre-season. Really pushed us, really um, trying to build us as a team and um, really getting us to work together and everyone understanding each other's roles and what our roles are in the team. Um, obviously, the, the visa boys have come in recently, so that means more competition for spots, which means people need to, when they do get the opportunity to play, they um, they, they obviously need to need to perform. Um, just because we have a we have a bigger squad now, so that's all he- very healthy for the team. But um, you know, yeah, Stad has, has been great, and I think I think that shows in in the way we've um, we've been uh, we've been playing. And uh, our, for, just for example, our defensive setup that we we've conceded one goal in four games. So that's thanks to all the hard work we've been putting in, and uh, you know all the tactics and the way we we've been playing. So you you mentioned the preseason there, and I think one thing that a lot of people have noticed is that how how fit we are this season which may have been an issue in the past and we're sort of running out games even the game against the Wanderers which obviously the result didn't really go our way but I think there was no sort of dying off towards the end of the game from the you know from the whole squad did we get I mean in the preseason were you guys like running sand dunes or were you doing anything sort of crazy like that or was it just sort of like the tour days or was there anything sort of that has really contributed. <laughs> um, I think um, I don't think we've done anything. Uh, I don't think you could say we've done anything crazy. I think we've just we've had a long preseason. I think we were one of the one of the first teams to to start and get into preseason. And um, uh, yeah, we just as a team we've been working really hard. We've been doing uh, yeah, obviously a lot of fitness work um, early on in preseason um, before we had the, the, all the practice matches so that got us ready for the practice uh, the trial matches practice matches then we had I mean we had compared to some of the other uh, uh, A-League teams I think we had quite a quite a number of uh, matches so that also obviously helps with getting fitness up so um, I think the coaching staff just, just did a really good job in um, you know setting out the training sessions and timing uh, what we were going to do and um, getting all the games organised so that we could uh, prepare as best we can and yeah as you said that that shows now in, in the matches where even with a two day turnaround or a two or three day turnaround we're still able to we've got a lot of boys playing 180 minutes in, in three days um, so yeah it just, it just shows 
So just looking ahead to the next week, we've got three home games in seven days coming up. So we've got Wellington on Sunday, followed by Melbourne City on Wednesday, and then Western United on the following Sunday. So it's not the first time that we've had sort of short turnarounds, and we seem to be handling handling it quite well with those wins over MacArthur and Sydney coming after we'd only played a few days before. Is there anything in particular you can sort of put this down to of why we've been performing well on short turnarounds? Um... Well, firstly, just our fitness levels, and and so that's obviously one of the reasons why um why we why we can perform those in those second matches after the quick turnaround. Um, yeah, what else can I say? I, I think the, the the coaching staff have just been um, making sure that uh that our bodies are, are prepared and that our recovery is right. And I think all the boys are just doing the, the right things. You know, they're not doing anything stupid after the first game. We take we get good recovery the directly the day after, and then um, a nice little tactical session the day after that. So um, I think we're just I think we're just all being smart with our bodies and um, getting the treatment if we need to. Um, yeah, the physios are providing us with whatever we need. Um, so yeah. Now I uh, I won't ask you for your address, but are you living in Terrigal? No, no, I'm uh, I'm not living in Terrigal. I'm uh, I'm actually still down um, in Sydney, um, oh. driving up. But I'm looking, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, but I'm looking. I've pretty much got a place, uh, and uh, but uh, so I should be in there. Like I'm hoping within a week, max two. Uh, so you're not looking to but, room um, with yeah. with the guys that are already sort of in in around Terrigal. Um, no, because I've had this I've had this thing sorted for a while now, but there's been a couple of little delays here and there, so it's been a little annoying. But I'm hoping that it's pretty much all done real soon. So, just speaking on that, who in the team would be you know your least preferred sort of person that you would live with? Oh, <laughs> can't ask that. <laughs> just did. My least preferred person that I that I uh, live with. Yeah. Or your most preferred? Who's last on the list? Um, oh, well, I think, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video about who's messiest yeah. in the paint room. Did you guys see that one? Yeah, yep. So, um, I, I'd have to say Lewis Miller just because it's, it's he's so messy. <laughs> Lewis Grubby Miller. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And who are those... Um, but we love those... him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and how are those uh, foreign guys fitting in? They must be getting itchy feet thinking, how are we going to break our way into this squad? The boys are all going so well. <laughs> and it seems like a long way for them at the moment. Yeah. Um, now, they've, they've uh, fitted in really well, and they get on really well with the boys, um, with everyone. Um, they're also, uh, for example, um, Janotta is actually quite a clown in the change room. He's loves making jokes, he's very confident as well, so that's good. Um, and uh, Marco's obviously very experienced, been to uh, whatever amount of World Cups he's been to, so, you know, everyone's looking up to him and he's talking to everyone, he's given, every, he's given me heaps of advice. Um, and uh, obviously um, the other boy, Jankovic, is, is a bit younger. Um, his English is a little bit, um, <laughs> uh, is not, not as good as, 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 the, uh, as the other two, but still, like, fine to obviously have a, have a decent conversation with um, and no he's getting on well as, as well with everyone so um, yeah I think I think they're I think they're really ready to go um, I'm just not sure I'll, the coaching staff obviously know more about, about it than I do I'm, I'm not sure quite what their fitness levels are like they've obviously had quarantine and I don't know what they've been doing before the quarantine with all the COVID so um, 
But once they once they are fit, I, I'm sure that they'll uh, play an important role. Yeah, of course. I mean, we've got a sort of a, a winning formula at the moment. So um, why, why fix what's not broken, I guess, as well? Um, you know, we've got plenty of time to sort of slowly introduce those lads into the first team setup. So yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Dan, thanks once again for taking the time, mate. Really appreciate you um, putting aside some time uh, to chat with us on the Ramble here this Arvo. And, um, yeah, look forward to uh, catching up with you again soon. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Thanks, Dan. Okie dokie. Uh, some other Central Coast Mariners things, of course. Looking ahead, we've got uh, well, we've got three games in the next week. Um, we've got Wellington this Sunday, followed by Melbourne City at home on the Wednesday, and then Western United on the following Sunday. Uh, more short turnarounds, gents, but uh, we've got three games on the bounce at home. I think this has come at a really good time, to be honest. You know, we're top of the league. You know, fans might start to cop on to what's happening and we might get some good crowds showing up and a chance to keep the form going as well, especially three games in seven days. We sort of proved that we can perform well on short turnarounds. So, yeah, look, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, on paper, it's a bit scary to look at that and go, shit, we've got three games in a week. But I think we even spoke about this when we did a pod back in December or whenever it was when the initial draw came out was that our January was pretty crazy and now obviously leading into February with a few little changes but the positive was there wasn't too much travel mm-hmm. so we're not getting on planes and yep. going to Perth and back and going to New Zealand and back and all that sort of stuff I think we haven't gone we haven't gone into state yet haven't we no no so we don't go into state until the March. 19th of February yes well, we See? play Adelaide yeah so that's that's a hundred percent in our favor so it's not that we don't have excuses you know three games in a week is is a lot um and you know I, I think i think we've we've managed our personnel really well um stage has done a really good job with rotating um rotating the guys up top rotating the guys um sort of out wide in the defense but we we might potentially now that we've obviously got the three foreigners here hopefully getting more and more fit and more and more ready to go i think we'll sort of see pretty similar um two games uh, on Sunday next Wednesday, then maybe we might see some changes for that Wollongong, um, or oh, sorry, for the Western game, um, where we might see maybe a couple of the foreigners um, maybe come in for Stenz and Mazanic just to give them a rest. I don't know. We, I think that that might be might be how it goes. Do you think Yonata comes in? I personally, I don't think he sort of he gets in in front of Nisbet or De Silva because they've been both pretty pretty well. No, played pretty well. The only reason he gets in is for rotation. Yeah, and we need to you know get that rotation going where we give them sixty minutes and we bring Yonata on for thirty and we see how that yeah. goes. And if it's better, then you know maybe we get to a point where we make that thirty sixty in the other sixty thirty in the other direction, and uh, that you know, can work for us. But yeah, you, you certainly wouldn't be just dropping one of those or any of those guys, anyone in the team at this no, moment, no, no. Um, in order to bring somebody in who's completely untested, you've got to bring them in and give them some minutes and see how they look because, you know, what you don't need is to find that actually you injure somebody. Um, that's the thing, Touchwood, that we've done and that, that's going really well for us as well is despite these quick turnarounds, then we, we don't seem to be experiencing injuries yet, Touchwood, and that means that we're doing a good job, mm. presumably in the coaching 
staff areas and uh, so long may that continue. And, you know, again, back on the other side of the fence, how good is it that there's so much football? Like every day there's seemingly Premier League games, so the A-League is, is burying me in games and all I do is work at home and watch football. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's the life, eh? <laughs> it is. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Living the actual dream. Um, of course, just another little tidbit. Matt Simon um, will hit his 200th game if he plays on Sunday and Wednesday. So uh, congrats to Simo. Uh, maybe preemptive congrats, I guess. I, I believe only the second or third player to play 200. I think Hutch is out front, number one. I think 220-something, I believe. But Simo making 200, I think that's an awesome accomplishment. He can be a bit of a polarising influence for some people, but the reality is that the contribution that the guy has made over the long term makes up for a lot of that for me. That you know, We forget very easily the contribution that he made long before this stint. In fact, long before the last stint I think he had with us because he's had a couple, if mm. I can remember three, the history stints, correctly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sorry, but... Uh, He's really delivering something at the moment, and, yeah. uh, and, and yeah, we're enjoying. He it. doesn't deliver goals, but up front he does deliver. You know, hassling defenders, just being a complete nuisance, which is what he's what he's done his entire career. Yeah, yeah. I'd be repeating last week again was, to say yeah, that he was. I was about to say we can speak about it until we're blue in the face, but we and we did last week. But um, what whatever he's doing at the moment, whether you like it or not, it's working. Mm-hmm. So. That's and I thought he was—I thought he was further from the edge, but no less effective in the Sydney game. And I think that's a really good part. He's got that in his kit to be able to do that. I, th- I, th- I think that the you know the, the 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 stuff that went on against Western Sydney was a bit about Western Sydney and a fair bit about the way that one of our former players left. I'm sorry, but mm. that, that is. Of we, course, it was. Yeah, we didn't like it. They didn't. I would like have probably it. done the same thing. Yeah, yeah. let him know you're there, boys. Yeah, yeah. Another kind of. It's an interesting one, um, maybe a bit of a tricky one in some ways. There was an, uh, an ABC Grandstand podcast that came out during the week with uh, Daniel Garb and Robbie Cornthwaite, um, where Robbie Cornthwaite posed a question, and this is a, such a weird take, um, is the Mariners being good actually bad for the A-League as it may incentivise clubs to spend less? Um, weirdest take of 2021. Yeah, we're 27 days in and he's got the winner, 100%. And perhaps he hasn't watched football for the last five years because that has not worked for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, just weird all around. Makes no sense to me. Very weird. And, and meanwhile, others are reporting the opposite, of course, the how great it is for the competition that the Mariners are actually, you know, not the easy beats that they've been for a long time. Um, and not just our fans, of course, so... Yeah, I, I mean, what he's really saying there is is that spend more, don't get results, go broke, <laughs> but spend more. <laughs> but pay know, something. Pay Costa Barbarusis eight hundred thousand dollars a season to miss from the six yard box, and that's better. Hasn't the rhetoric been like, oh, clubs need to play more young players, and now we've got a team full of players that are under 24, 25. We're doing really well, and now it's bad. Like, make up your mind. I don't. Who, who knows what the hell he was going on about here? I think it's just wrong. Like, it's wrong. It, 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 we, we have just got better experience at running on a lower budget. Yes, and, and that's this. playing out now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I said it last week, but that, that's what it is. It isn't what he's taking it as. It's the fact that we're used to this. In fact, 
we're masters of this. 100%. And, uh, you know, the, the other teams have scrambled to do things like loan their players out to other clubs so they could get in under the cap. Mm. We get complained at for not spending the floor, even <laughs> in a reduced cap, this yeah. kind of thing, you know. So, And isn't it been a huge issue in this league since the very beginning of having overpaid overpaid foreigners come to the league and treat it like a treat it like a bloody holiday that's always been an issue why would you not spend half the amount of that on a kid like it doesn't even have to be a kid like it doesn't have to be an australian kid it can be a foreigner it can be some young hotshot bloody foreigner like i don't care obviously it'd be great if it was a young australian kid but why would you not spend half that and give them a chance and then you then you potentially have the results that we're having now Someone who's actually got the hunger and desire to perform that yeah. we've seen from the Mariners so far this season, as opposed to, as you say, those overplayed journeymen who come here for, for, yeah. for a holiday and in the sun. We've been 100% guilty of it. Yeah, yeah a little there's, bit. There's lots, of, <laughs> there's lots of things that are bad for the league, the A League, like mm. Fox's current performance. Yeah, but his but, employer. But you have to think about how the fans are judging that question, don't you? Like, which Mariners fan thinks that our current scenario is bad for the A League? Which yeah. other yeah. club fan thinks that? Which anyone who has anything to do with the A-League would think that? We've heard so many people go over the years that a strong, Marilyn, a strong Mariners or strong regional clubs equal a strong A-League. Uh, yeah, yeah and, that's, I, and they're still saying that. The only time that I've ever heard this sort of take on it, and it's just got me absolutely baffled. Yeah. Why I, wouldn't you just yeah. talk up the league? Like you've, you've got so many young Australian players that are doing so well. You've got Toure at Adelaide, who's 16 and is killing it over there we've got our team that which is full of young australian players like remember we mentioned against macarthur our entire starting 11 was australian and mm. like stage mentioned it he said this is covid might just be the best thing that's happened to australian football for the last you know for the next five to ten years because we've got so many young players that are coming in like pete just mentioned with the hunger the desire to play and I'd much prefer to see a young kid get the experience to pl- and playing in the A-League than to see some foreigner come in who doesn't put in the work, is overpaid, and mm. just doesn't do enough to justify what they get paid on the pitch. Yeah, and as a little bit of a disclaimer, I really like Robbie Conthwaite, but he's absolutely cooked that take. <laughs> well, maybe he's just, you know, struggling like we all are a little bit with, you know, what COVID has done to society and uh, socialising. struggling and with the fact that we're first. Well, it could be exactly. that, although... Yeah. Imagine, imagine how dare How first. dare the Mariners be first and imagine good again. Imagine not being first. Is oh. it salty Conthwaite tears? <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to have salty cornflakes. <laughs> that... That's a moro joke. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm not even leaving that in. That's horrible. Um, exactly what I was going for. Yeah, I can just cut your entire thing out. If you like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one final discussion point that we have here on the run sheet this week. Do you guys reckon we're the real deal this season or is it still a bit too early on to tell? Depends what the real deal, what you think the real deal is. For me... Mm. The real deal has started out to be that I don't want another spoon being anywhere near my cabinet. So that's the first thing. But then we start to get a little bit of confidence. So now I start thinking, you know, can we can we fit in the top half of the comp here? I think we can. Possibly. I think real deal for me is top four. Yeah. Or as Stadge said, ACL qualification, but that means top two. And I think, don't we only have... One and a half spots now. I think second like has to like go that. through a playoff, don't they? Yeah, so that's tough. It's either so stage either first or second. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely 
very early. But if we base it purely off what we've seen so far, and having watched most of the other games uh, and most of the other teams a couple of times, I mean, who who is, like, really impressive? I mean... Us. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though. Like, I was serious. Watching Melbourne and Perth last night, for example, um, very kind of similar situation to us in that both teams were playing quite a few kids. And I'll be honest, there was a few there. I was like, who are these guys? I don't even know who they are. Um, and, you know, looking at some of the kids in the other sides, maybe with the exception of Adelaide, um, if we're talking about youth and, you know, prospects from MPL or um, from all the A-League academies, we, at the moment, look like we have probably the best crop. Well, yeah, I mean, us and Sydney, I think. Sydney have got some pretty good youth coming through. That mm. Ivanovic is quality. Patrick Wood, I rated him all through the MPL season. But, you know, there's an issue there as well in that uh, Melbourne Victory, for example. Their academy plays in MPL 3, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Down in Victoria. They're very low. And so do, uh, it's either Melbourne City or Western United, one of the other Victorian clubs. Yeah. So, you know, the academy sides need to be playing at the highest level possible. I'm going to say that after we play this little short burst of matches, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, if we're in the top four, I'm going to start believing that we're the real deal on your measuring stick, Pete. I, I would fair. honestly say that we have to wait until maybe the halfway point of the season to see where we are. Or after we maybe played each team. I think that's when you properly judge a season, is when you've played each team and you see where you are and see where you can build on for the second half of the season. I just, I just think... Everybody else has looked really hot and cold, mm. where we've been pretty hot with the exception of the result of the Wanderers game. I think our performance at the Wanderers game, besides the subs, was good. The result obviously wasn't good, but I think we've been really consistent, whereas watching some yeah. of these other teams, like someone like a Perth, they concede four, <laughs> but then they score a bunch. That's not going to work. Like, not against our defence. Western, the Western United defence was super leaky. Um, and then they obviously play Adelaide. They score a bunch, but then they still concede a bunch. So I, I don't see us having any games like that this season where it's going to be like 3-all or 4-all or anything like that. I'm, 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 not, like I'm not super confident, but after that performance on Friday night against that Sydney side, how can you not be growing in confidence? Mm. Absolutely. We've touched on a couple of the other games that have been played. Let's uh, let's take a look at how the weekend uh, transpired after, of course, our glory on Friday night uh, against Sydney, uh, down in Sydney. Um, of course, on Saturday, we saw Western United take on Perth Glory um, in what was... Crazy. Yeah, just absolutely insane scenes. It was 1-0 up until the 55th minute, I think you said earlier, Josh. Um, and then it's just... It's gone absolutely haywire and finished 5-4. I, th- I believe I saw the stat. It was seven goals in 18 minutes, which Luke's. is very indoor indoor uh, football areas. <laughs> Fo- very futsal areas, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Luke yep. said defending. Mm. <laughs> How good is it to see other teams struggle to defend and not us? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I've taken away from it. And like we've already said it before, like one goal conceded in four games, whereas Perth have already conceded about 30 goals in three games. So <laughs> really good to see. <laughs> 
that would be very concerning for both Mark Rudin and uh, and uh, Garcia over at Perth. Um, Rudin's obviously got a few concerns with his missing USB stick and his defensive <laughs> problems and things like that. So apparently not talking to his players and you never want to leave a USB in a in a, in a, in a, in a Macca's. Uh, of course, his second game on Saturday was Adelaide one Melbourne victory nil. Um, then on Sunday we went across to uh, or went down to. Uh, where are they playing this year? It's not Wellingong. 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 Wellingong fire chickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Jets got their first points of the season in a 2-1 victory. I just there. want to quickly mention, going back to us, obviously, because this is a Mariners podcast, but I think, you know, looking ahead to Sunday, we're a really good shot of getting on top of Wellington because if they're losing to the Jets then I think we can do them as well and they look very very vulnerable on the counter they had a lot of chances but uh, credit to the scum I guess a little bit that they defended pretty pretty decent Wellington had their chances and then Newcastle just got them on the break so I think this week Stadge and the team might have had a look at that and see how we can uh, exploit that and you know I think we're a good chance this week against Wellington yeah, Wellington defensively, I mean, with, with the exception of Luke De Beers, they have a very young, inexperienced backline. I know, but there was a couple of moments in that defence. There was the one where O'Donovan put away that uh, uh, Yule, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with, yeah, with a great ball, and, and it was just terrible. They're like they, they just bad mm. communication, and and then Marinovic coming out to for the Roy goal when he shouldn't have. That yeah. was strange, strange yeah. decision from the goalkeeper. Yeah, so. just a brain snap there. Of course, they've played three so far. Have Wellington. They've drawn one, and that one draw was on the road. Um, they're pointless at home um, so far. Well, they're home away from home, I guess you could call it so far this season. Um, so, no, like you say, Josh, I think we're, uh, we're a pretty good chance. Just on that game, though, the Adelaide versus oh, of Melbourne, course. Melbourne victory game. Two, Ray, that, that kid. Kid's he's, a freak. Oh, he's oh. awesome. You can can't play. We, oh, They're yeah. both freaks. Oh. And this is a fantastic thing we're getting uh, served up to us in the A-League this yep. year, that we're seeing he, kids like this he get made, their chance. He made Ryan Shotton look like an absolute mug. I you think Ryan Shotton does that himself on Twitter. <laughs> Made exactly him look like right. a COVID conspiracy theorist. <laughs> mug. Oh, wait. Absolute mug. And to, yeah, he was, he was awesome. And just going back to young Australian players, it's so good to see so many playing really well and consistent minutes in the A-League. Pleasure to watch. Of course, we rounded out the round. Rounded out the round. Uh, yesterday, uh, or Tuesday by the time this goes live, with a come-from-behind Melbourne victory, getting their first points of the season, I believe, as well, against Perth Glory. They were 1-0 down with not long to go. They came from absolutely nowhere to win this game. Absolutely I, no I saw a lot of stuff stuff last night that like it was well deserved and all this sort of stuff and I'm like what uh, I, I thought they know. I thought they probably had the lion's share of the chances I thought to be it was thought it was pretty even but I, I was cooking I, I only deserved. had half an eye on Cru- it so. Cruz had a yeah. lot of I was scrolling through Twitter and there was a lot of people saying how well Cruz played and I just thought really I still don't see it <laughs> I didn't yeah no he he wasn't terrible I'm not going to say he was terrible because he wasn't but I didn't see him as a standout either they so could have victory could have easily been done in three and in a world of hurt, um, and but this come from behind winners sort of uh, sort of buoyed their fans a little bit. But I st- like again, I still don't think victory are that crash hot. They've got they've got some kids that they were terrible against Adelaide. Yeah, they were horrible. They have got some kids that look okay, but nothing special. Someone like a Elvis Camp sober just keeps on getting chances and not doing the right thing. Mm. Um, the only, the only foreigner that they've brought in that looks alright is McManahan. 
McManaman. McManaman, McManaman yeah. sorry. And Butterfield um, wasn't too bad last night. Either. Yeah, he looks good. Ryan Shotton looks horrible in defence. There was there was there was a moment there in defence where horrible in defence off the field as well. Yeah, where there was a save and then he tried to clear it, cleared it into his own teammate, went out for a corner, and I was yeah. like, really? But um, yeah, very dodgy to me. I yeah, the more I watch the other teams, the more I grow in confidence and. Hope is the thing that kills you. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have to keep on saying it, but we're only four games in. There's still a long time to I'm go. I'm just no, going no. through the draw here, and I'm up to round 14, which is the 27th of March, and I still can't find where we play Melbourne Victory. Oh, there it is, 4th of April, round 15. So It's the first time we play them. Yep, and that's uh, Melbourne away as well. Love it. Cool. Ooh, are we on? Just on. Damn COVID. Just on oh, that. We're on. The draw looks good even just in and, and has been good so far. We've got some nice little away trips. Um, Wellington away has become a different thing than it was. And, uh, <laughs> well, it's, well, a, it's a whole it's, heap It's a bit handy that it's, that it's, what, two and a half hours away and not a exactly. six-hour flight. Exactly. Of just touching on that one as well. Keep an eye out on the Central Coast Mariners socials over the next few days as they, I believe, are looking to put buses on for that one as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, that's, that's another funny thing about the draw that Pete just mentioned, how we don't play victory until April, whereas... We play Wellington twice in two weeks. I think we'll have played Newcastle twice or three times by that time as well. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. it's really That's just like a normal draw without COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. COVID, COVID's the convenient excuse this year, yeah. this season, is it? Football yes. Australia at it again. Absolutely classic. It's a bit unfair, though, because we want to play against Victory. I mean, how's our record? When, yeah, when I want to get him out of the way. Easy, I, rem- I know, remember thinking last three night. Points. Yeah. I remember thinking last night before they actually won the game. I was like, if we play Melbourne, like if we get the chance to do Melbourne away, if COVID isn't an issue, then we might have a chance of winning at Melbourne away, which is like one of my dreams come true, to be honest. <laughs> After doing Melbourne eight or nine times over the last three or four years for one draw, and the draw was what Hutch's. Remember that Hutch late equaliser against City back in the. 2014 yeah, 15 yep. season and it's just been a barren run since then so uh yeah let's let's hope melbourne away is on and we're still in form am i the only one in this room who's done a melbourne a winning melbourne away i believe i so. think so i haven't done a winning one Oof. i'm doing the losing one <laughs> the and which one was that you got to tell us which one was uh, that i've done melbourne heart where we we beat them one nil um and the wilco goal was that that one? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. That and was I've their done first an- ever game. I've done another one as well. Yeah, I was there for their first ever game. I've done another one as well. Um, I'll have to get back to you on the specifics. But I know. I've well, hopefully, let's make it fourth of April. If we're, if we're still in form and we're you know towards the top, then get down to Melbourne because it's awesome. Melbourne away is the best away trip in the league that you can do, in my opinion. Are we the real deal? I'm going to make a season prediction here. We will finish <laughs> ahead of victory on the table. Yes. I'm just putting that it. out there. I was waiting for I've it. waited a long now time. Now I can agree. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I love it. Play on. Play on. <laughs> I've waited for a long time. I was wondering <laughs> when it would come out. God, the positivity in this podcast is just unbelievable right now. Yeah, this is the Coast Football Positivity Podcast, Josh. You've been away love for it. a few weeks. <laughs> One. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to download Man. COD. <laughs> of course, it is that time of the week where we uh, look to the socials and answer your questions. Um, let's kick things off with AJ from Twitter. Uh, AJ asks... Who is the best defender in the league right now, and why is it Ruan Tongyik? 100% agree. Correct. Correct. 
Why? Uh, why? Why? Why is everyone talking? I, I think he's improved out of sight um, from watching him in youth, uh, watching the couple of chances he got in the first team last season. I think his ball playing out of the back um, has improved dramatically. Um, I, I like how I like how aggressive he is in the tackle now too, which um, I think maybe previously it was a bit sort of gung ho and. Um, a bit sort of willy-nilly, whereas as now it seems a lot more calculated, and that's what led to the sec- that's what led to the second goal on the weekend was really really his aggressiveness to win the ball back, uh, pretty much two times after a senseless mistake. Um, why else? Height, height. He's really good in the air. Physicality. Physicality. Mm. He's, he's a unit. This might sound a little bit basic, but how about getting a fair income opportunity? That too. He's in the team. Yeah, getting and a good it, run yeah, of games. Or exactly. being settled in a team rather than being at a team one season and then going to another team the next. I think being and settled, settled in a pair yeah. as well. He's yeah. settled in there with roles and they've started to really, you know, uh, form a good combination there and I think that has helped him as well. We haven't really mentioned him, but I think Rolls has been a, a lot better than he has been in previous seasons as well. I think that might come down to more experience as well, the same, almost the same situation as Tongik is just being able to... You know, like being a year older, you know, 27 games or whatever, more experience. And I think they've formed a really good partnership in the centre of defence. Game time with a consistent partner. Massive. Yep. Massive. Yep. yep, definitely. Nice one. Um, Jamie Palmer. Uh, Jamie Palmer asks, when is the right time to move Matty Simon to the bench and utilise Smiley, Bauman, Kual and Urenya as the starting options? Uh, personally, I think from the very next game, the young trio all look seriously hungry for goals and surely the import has the experience and skill set to warrant more minutes now that he's settled in. Well, to be honest, I think the 35-year-old at the moment looks just as hungry as what the kids do. <laughs> That's a um, good point. Yep. So and we sort of covered yeah. it a bit, didn't we? We, we The fact is that uh, there will come a time when the way we're going about it may not work in every scenario, so then we're going to have to have those options there. Um, I think that, you know, introducing them in small pieces, we didn't uh, bring them here to not play them. So so that's going to happen. But uh, I wouldn't be doing anything hasty like, uh, you know, throwing them in the deep end at the next game, um, getting them some minutes so we can see whether or not that's actually an improvement is what I imagine Stadge would be targeting. Like we said before, it's for me, it's going to be about work rate. If he's not going to work as hard as what we are, as what we're seeing right now, no matter who is up top in that front two, then he won't play. Or if he does play, it's not going to end well. It won't work. Exactly. Yeah. That's. It's going to take time for him to develop those sort of combinations with the players that are playing behind him and around him and things like that as well. Um, you know, Smiley and, and uh, Bauman and Quoll have obviously had a full, full pre-season um, with the squad. So um, they're sort of used to the way each other sort of play as well as Simo, of course, as well. Um, so... Let's not rush things. Um, as we said before, you know, it's working. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, Johnny Needham, of course, good friend of the show. And if there's anyone that loves a winning pod as much as us, it, I think, is Johnny Needham. Bit to unpack in this one as well, <laughs> but we'll run through it, of course. Johnny says that he can't fault anyone this season, except really uh, Miller, who's been a little shonky. And uh, although he's played a little better, Clisby, of course. Uh, but why in the sweet lady Jesus titty milk is he still taking our corners and free kicks? Uh, I'm so sick of seeing every single one of our corners that float over the entire group of players in the box. With players like Simo Bauman and even Ruan getting in there with some height, surely Stadge can see how many opportunities we are wasting. Lads. I think we've sort of discussed that same point as well. Of Clisby being agree. on set pieces, can we get someone else on set pieces that's 
better. 100% agree. Surely, I mean, surely De Silva. Surely he can take oh, a better Boz? set piece. Yeah, Boz can take a good one as well. We saw Stefan deliver sure. a good one into the box against the Jets, which uh, resulted in a goal for uh, for Qual. Um, look, I mean, Clisby, he's hit and miss, isn't he, with his with his delivery? Um, yeah. There's, there's some that you go, geez, that's got a great shape on it, or, you know, it's an absolute peach of a ball, but then there's just far too many that, you know, as we say, sail straight to the keeper or... Go out. Yeah, <laughs> and like, and actually, and also shout out to uh, Mick Komet, who I think also got a shout out last week, and, and he was very keen uh, that he actually got a, to get a shout out last week. He mentioned on the weekend when we were lining up for a Sydney attacking corner mm. that w- for the first time in a while we actually looked like we were a lot taller and a lot bigger, bigger units than the team we were playing yeah. so these these poor set pieces that we have more often than not we're missing a lot of opportunity I think it goes back to that sort of um, creativity piece that we're sort of sacrificing as well that we spoke about earlier in the show mm. um, where you know we are so sound defensively but it has sacrificed <laughs> a little bit of our impetus going forward we need to make sure that we are taking advantage of those set pieces because they are golden opportunities yep, yep. I'm still stuck on Jesus that Jesus comment. <laughs> Surely he's got that wrong. Must be a Man City supporter. Just leaving that there. Johnny also goes on to ask, uh, do you think it's almost time for the Mariners' all-time leading goalscorer and six-time golden boot winner, Matt Simon, um, to go back to being an impact player and let the fit and hungry young blokes put a bit of pressure on opposition defenders? Um, I think Jamie's beaten you to that one there, Johnny. Um, do you think Stange has perhaps rested the new boys who've seen none or very little game time to keep some depth for the upcoming quick turnaround week? Yes, I do. Yep, 100%. Yep. I mean, it makes sense. We've got three games in the space of seven days. It's all a short turnaround. Um, fitness looks good, but we need to keep that rotation going as well. Um, Johnny also says that he loves our work. Uh, Johnny, I love your work. Finally, David Bloom, uh, who has sent through a question. This is um, one that's it's, it's a bit of food for thought here, gents, I think. Um, would you rather have finger-sized nipples or nipple-sized fingers? Let's start with you, Luke. Finger-sized nipples. <laughs> yep, Josh? That's some big nipples, just saying. Um, I'd have to agree with finger-sized nipples, but... Yep. Yeah, because having having nipple sized fingers, like you wouldn't be able to. They're pick not up practical. Anything. Yeah, how do you tie? Do whereas, you, yeah. whereas when you the, your shirt's just going to be out here all the time. My only question is: Would Ryan Grant have scored the goal if he had finger sized nipples? His nipple would have been offside, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah, it would have been. I think <laughs> your VAR, nipples offside. Your uh, nipples. Yeah, has ruled. <laughs> He's offside by a nipple. He's offside by a nipple length, which is the length of a finger. Uh. (laughs) Finally, of course, it is time to have a look at how the uh, standings are looking in the Coast Football Ramble ESPN footy tipping competition. And it is again this week, ESPN footy tips user at the top of the table. Um, Quality show, show yourself. Who are you? Um, please stop the Herter in second and Big Will in third. Uh, Jono in fourth. And Dave West Brom rounding out the top five there. 
Um, our very own Aaron Mariner is in eighth position. Um, and then I think the next one from the podcast is probably Fred around 15th, 14th, Fred is. Um, hello, goodbye in 16th and Josh Howe in 17th. You're in good company. Last year's winner down there in 25th next door to you. Just putting that out there, Steve. <laughs> G'day, Steve. Shout out to you. I've just spotted a name that I absolutely love, Patrick Nolan MBE. I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard of a podcast called The Offensive Podcast. Um, if you haven't, go and check it out. It is hilarious. Um, and I know exactly who that would be, and I'm very disappointed that you're only just in the top 20. Um, I wonder if Patrick Nolan would prefer nipple-sized fingers or finger-sized nipples. Let's get him on. Guess next week. <laughs> Asking the tough questions on the Coast Football Ramble podcast. That's what we're here to do. Um, and just talk absolute smack amongst ourselves and celebrate life at the top of the table. I mean, the fresh what air up the top. Is what else awesome. is there to do at the moment besides be happy about being first? Feet up on the table. There's, there's beers just staring at the A-League ladder, the Bunnings ladder, I guess I should mention. Normally, <laughs> normally about late January is when like the despair and the, the hate comes back and the hope goes and and then february's generally sort of mocking yeah, apathy and everybody yeah. out memberships are getting thrown <laughs> the microwaves getting warmed up now, um, now it's when's the it's, next away trip now it's yeah how much more money can i spend on fuel to <laughs> go and watch the boys when do borders um, reopen so i can go many, to adelaide away yeah, how many fines can i get in the north connects <laughs> <laughs> not good for the bank account <laughs> But worth it. Worth it for Sydney away. I worth think. it. Yeah, absolutely. So that away trip cost me about $250. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and how many points? Ouch. I don't know yet, and I don't want to know. You've still got a licence? Just. Once again, thank you, as always, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Coast Football Ramble podcast. We love you all very, very dearly. Um, and, well, I guess that's it from us here. See you next week. Three games in seven days. Nine points. Let's get it. Goodbye, fellow top-of-the-table Mariners fans. Enjoy. Love ya. See ya. Bye. Oops. Who's that? Not me. Is it me? It is me. I think that's you. <laughs> You're the only one with your phone on the table, Sorry. mate. That is a fine. <laughs> Apologies. That's that a is huge a fine. Fine. Oh, that was really loud too. Um.